level. I think I know why mm, airplanes are white. I, at least I, I used to, I, I used to know, or someone, uh, someone told me a long time ago why. At least what? No, no. Okay, no. Actually, let me let me let me let me uh, uh, clarify why home built fiberglass airplanes are almost always white. Okay. Okay. Uh, um, so I, this I, is know, I know the answer, but go ahead. When I was much more active in the uh, uh, home building world, um, as, on the periphery, of course, I never built. Um, I learned this, or at least I was told this, that um, fiberglass, that that composite aircraft, um, almost always need to be white because if they're a darker color, they can literally melt sitting out in the sun. Um, that they need to be white to reflect the heat of the sun. Maybe this was a California thing, now that I stop and think about it. Um, but that uh, um, that if you had a composite aircraft that you made black or some dark color, it would absorb enough heat from the sun sitting out on the ramp that it would, and I don't know if it would even visibly melt, all right, like the wings wouldn't sag necessarily, no. but, it, but, it would, but it would affect the, the, the strength of the various fiberglass parts, most notably things like the spars and the skins and things like that. That's what I was told like 25 years ago. What do you think? It can affect the bonds, uh, and that's one of the reasons why uh, some years back the uh, composite movement moved from foam and fiberglass to uh, carbon fiber. I was wondering if that might be a difference these days, actually. Yeah, okay. That's, so fiber, carbon fiber would make a difference. Yeah, well, and, and the, uh, the the agent that they use to bond the layers together, and they use more honeycomb and uh, the uh, honeycomb structures in a lot of uh, carbon fiber airplanes, but uh, the main thing was the uh, fiberglass and foam airplanes it could get uh, hot enough that it could weaken the bonds between the layers of materials. Remember, and, uh, too, that early cirruses yep. had to be painted white or a very light color yeah. by, per their type certificate. Okay. Well, that may be what I learned way back now, when. Now, yeah. as they've gained more experience, the color options have expanded. Um, I've yet to see an all-black Cirrus, but I've seen some dark silver ones mm-hmm. and, and maroon and, and like that, dark blues. Um, a, a Cirrus owner or someone who's, who's more current on Well, that's just weird. All right. Okay. Uh Hi, folks. We're back now, I think. Um, pretty sure we're still recording, hopefully. Um, although, the way things are going today, it might be better for everybody involved if we're not recording. <laughs> <laughs> you'll, you'll have some splicing uh, to do. I know, huh? Uh, we, could, we could call this uh, episode IOU and it, come back in a week. Yeah, no, no, no. Okay, well, yeah, we may come back in a week. Anyway. So, um, let's see now. So, I think when everything kind of went kerflui, that's an aviation technical term, um, <sighs> Jeb was saying something along the lines of Cirruses had a requirement to be Early right. Cirruses, by, by, yeah. by the type certificate, um, had uh, paint color restrictions in them. Uh, white or uh, an off-white was basically the colors you could get. Um, obviously, that's evolved uh, uh, since their introduction. Um, I, I've seen some dark silver uh, cirruses from the factory, um, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, the punchline is 
that was a precaution. No one knew what parking these Cirruses outside in the, in the sun was, ha- what effect that would have. Right. And as right. we've gained more experience, um, they've expanded the envelope of uh, allowed colors. Right. Now, but now this is specifically obvious. We're talking about um, um, a composite aircraft. Right. And the original question didn't make that distinction. All right. Um, and it is, in fact, the case, right? Well, this article, is very, this article doesn't make yeah. that distinction. That's for sure. Okay. Which is something <laughs> that is, <laughs> is, they should have considered adding to the article. Uh huh. So what's the article here? Uh, um, Let's see now. Uh, why? Well, this is from the simpleflying.com yeah, website. Uh, outlet. I'm not sure. Why most aircraft are painted white. Uh, and uh, so, uh, and the picture they show is an airliner being painted white. Um, and uh, and there's a bunch of, oh, look at this. There's all kinds of suggestions. But this is all talking about airliners. Right. So I now here's 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 not more, more airplane painting trivia. Because um, back in the early historic days of aviation, they were silver. Um, um, they didn't paint them at all. And and I know you guys know why that was. All right. Well, I want to hear I want to um, hear your explanation. Because back in the earliest days of aviation, weight really mattered, and the weight of the paint was significant, and so they well, just didn't that, paint that still is true, but I think also in the very earliest days of aviation, we weren't talking about metal or compos- composites. We were talking about uh, wood and fabric, and, and, and yeah. to well, properly install the fabric, you had to put some kind of coating on it to shrink it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. First, you had to dope yeah. it so that it would shrink, and that made it tight, and then you, if you're going to put a finish on it, so for a lot of places they just didn't put any more paint on after the and, doping and the doping so, i think had some lead in it so it was kind of a natural gray or natural silver yep yeah and also somewhat heavy i would imagine but, yeah uh, i mean all things I mean, considered yeah it, yeah so it still is, is. yeah yeah so this article says let's see i'm not going to read the whole good. article because it's I'm not that good an article Okay, all right. But I'll read the headlines. Why are most aircraft painted white? Picture of a guy spray painting an airliner. White paint saves money is one of the headlines, all right? Um, and uh, paint on a plane. And then it says talks about immediately talks about weight. This is uh, this article's going downhill fast. Uh, paint costs uh, costs money and costs weight. All right, that's one. Next headline is white paint keeps the plane cooler. There we go. Yeah. All right, this is what it says here. All right, um, and and since it's agreeing with me, I'm gonna I'm gonna observe that they're very smart, very astute reference they just made. Um, safety and maintenance. Why is it a safety and maintenance issue? By painting the aircraft white, it's much easier on the maintenance crew to spot any damage. Really? I suppose. Leaks. Maybe. Uh-huh. Fluid leaks. Yeah. Okay. Fluid leaks. All right. And I was told once that white is the lightest paint. Yeah, yeah, okay. No, you, so you, many, so many, so many plays on words and puns. You're talking and, about, um, you're talking about weight. And, and um, I think some people don't understand how much weight paint on an airplane the size of say a 767 or even larger actually weighs mm-hmm. um it's not so much that okay there's 120 pounds or or in, in this article says from 600 to 1200 pounds uh, uh of weight is added to the airplane i i don't mm-hmm. dispute that 
I don't dispute okay. that. If you painted, you know, the entirety of an A380, um, it's going to it's going to have a material effect on on how much the airplane weighs. Uh, um, right. For the average general aviation airplane, the weight is not nearly as as big a deal. Um, okay. But it can still amount to 30, 40 yeah. pounds. Uh, keep in mind also that um, some carriers back, um, I don't know, 80s, 90s era, uh, when when uh, fuel prices and deregulation and, and economic uncertainties were, were running rampant through the airline industry, some air, uh, airlines just put stripes on bare aluminum and mm-hmm. called that a paint well, job and, and moseyed on about their business in part to save weight. Because they're hauling all that weight around all the time as opposed to one or two flights. Well, that's why American, yeah. for years, used uh, color stripes and the rest of it was polished. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I visited their uh, maintenance facility in uh, uh, north of Fort Worth where the uh, planes came in for their C&D checks. And, and one, of the, one of the bays they had was de- dedicated to guys polishing the unpainted parts of the airplane uh, to keep yeah. them shining. I've spoken over the years to a handful of people who have metal airplanes that they un- they that were polished, that were s- silver, if you will, mirror, you know, the bare aluminum polished, and they all and, and you'd you'd go up to them and you'd say, oh, what a beautiful airplane, and it, they were off usually beautiful, um, and and they'd say thanks, but man, it's a handful to right. take care of to keep it that that shiny yeah. and and beautiful. So well, polish is a very popular finish on uh, uh, a lot for a lot of Sonex builders. And uh, the, these are guys that are uber sensitive to weight, and the uh, typical Sonex straight tail, uh, the paint job on it adds eighteen to twenty two pounds. Really, and that's, that's interesting. A, that's a little airplane. When I think of Sonex, I I, I it universally think yellow. That's uh, factory color. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's pretty interesting. Um, so a couple, a couple quick points here. Um, a lot of airplanes these days are not being painted. They're being wrapped, as I understand it. And I'm curious if we do uh, any of us know what the weight co- differential or comparison is between painting an aircrane, airplane and wrapping an airplane. You know, because wrapping uh, whatever that is, vinyl or whatever, whatever that uh, material is. According to our paint design expert, uh, uh, Craig Barnett. Yeah. Uh, there's not a big difference between the weight of a wrap and the paint, okay. because most of the wrapping requires there to be a, a a layer of white paint underneath. Okay. So you get a thin coat of white on it, and then you wrap it so that the uh, a lot of the the, the wrapping is, is translucent or transparent, so it uh, can show through the uh the wrapping what's underneath so they like them white so that when you wrap it then the colors work out the way they intended to in their mind's eye right 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 but it's not it's not a big weight saver okay uh, well i wasn't sure if, uh, yeah I, I wouldn't think they would do it because it was a weight saver i, I was just curious what the comparison was the other point i wanted to make about um white airplanes 
um, or observation. So this goes way back to my Palo Alto airport days. Um, there was one airplane based on the field there at Palo Alto that was, and I can't, it's a long time ago now, but but it was it was like fluorescent orange or fluorescent yellow or something like that, or or it had large components that were that kind of a very bright color. And it was one of my, in, in some ways, it was one of my favorite airplanes on the field because it was so easy to see in the air. Um, it it you know I mean I just always thought this is great because this helps with visibility, see and avoid, and all that kind of good stuff. And uh, um, I, I wonder if that doesn't, you know, painting airplanes basically white doesn't play into that a little bit. I don't know. Yes? No? Are you both still yeah, there? Yeah, I'm still here. Uh, yeah, we're still here. Um, okay. Left you speechless. Okay. <laughs> for, formulating yeah. an answer. All uh, right. What's your answer, Dave? David's stopping uh, to think before he speaks. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, Jeff and I are both just smiling. Go ahead, David. What's your formulated thought? Uh, I don't know. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> one one thing right, so. kind of omitted from some of this, and, and Craig, Craig yeah. would be a good uh, person to have on maybe sometime to, to talk about it a little bit, is conspicuity. Conspe- oh, okay. okay. Oh, you, you you just want that to be the episode conspicuity? Title. No, use- not necessarily. But I mean, it's it's the word to use to describe how well you see something, and um, seeing. You're not telling me that's a real term that's conspicuity. used. In- Is it Look really? It up. Well, I know. I mean, I know it's a real word. I believe yeah. it's a real word. I'm just curious whether, like, I don't know, the FAA or what or he's NTSB. surprised is that anybody actually uses it. Yeah, I know. Okay, I'm sorry, Jeff. Finish your thought um, if 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 you want to. I'm not going to take this abuse much longer. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's uh, in it. Right. And and it was consecuity, not continuity, because continuity right, obviously let's, let's, has gone uh, out the window. Right, on this we're we're going to dumb this down for the New England delegation, and we're going to we're going to call oh. it conspicuousness. Conspicuousness. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Well, that's sorry. Right. There you go, folks. You now completely understand why most airplanes are painted white. Um, well, no. no, that's not where I was headed. Uh, where I was headed is that um, over the years, we've seen all kinds of paint jobs designed both to enhance and to uh, uh, minimize conspicuity. Camouflage, for example, minimizes okay. the conspicuity. But orange flashes um, on the on the tail or three stripes on the wing for D Day all help to enhance the conspicuity of the airplanes. Um, today, we're seeing, or I have seen anyway. Um, it it mm-hmm. explained that a dark lower fuselage and underbelly, coupled with a lighter. Um, Top, upper fuselage and tail um, enhances conspicuity. Looking down from above the airplane, the white would tend to uh, stand out more against the surface of the uh, against the ground. Um, looking up, the dark underbelly would tend to be highlighted more than a white or, or certainly light blue color when you're looking against mm-hmm. the sky. So that's one school of thought. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. I remember 
is this a thing? Um, uh, I, well, I don't even remember what it was called. It was called like a. It was it was the flashing beacon on on an aircraft, um, and someone had one that was really whizzy. There's a whizzy, not, not an aviation term. Whizzy, yeah, whizzy. W h i z z y. Okay. Whizzy um, for the for the <laughs> southern uh, uh, contingent. Could you maybe use a different <laughs> word? No, I like okay. that word. Whizzy. Um, is, whizzy. That, is that whizzy. an audio, audio, oral thing? No, or no, is it's a visual thing. V- visually spectacular. Well, I mean, I, I, I'm thinking visually. Whizzy would be anything that is notable, that is kind of spectacularly notable. Uh, okay. Might be visual. In, in other words, be... it's related to gee whiz. Yeah, exactly. David, uh, see, David see, understands what I, I'm talking I, about. I'm thinking that it's making noise. It's whizzing, and you know, it shouldn't be whizzing. No, oh no, no. Well, no, in, in my mind, whizzy, and it's a geek term. It's computer nerd term. Okay, yeah, I, get, I get that. Whizzy. I get that. All right. Whizzy. You, now you could have said Whizzy. that and saved our listeners, uh, you know, 60 seconds of nonsense. Now I'm trying I forget what I was talking about. Oh, right. Comet beacon or meteor beacon. Is that a thing? Do you know what I'm talking about? There's a a brand of uh, of aviation beacons that I think is one, one brand is called Comet. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the one that I'm thinking of, um, and it would it would flash in a particular way, such that as you were watching the aircraft travel across the sky, the the, the flashes would I forget whether they got progressively shorter or progressively longer, but it sort of made it look like the tail of a comet. That was the that was the sort of idea, um, is that it would be whizzy in that it looked like it had an you know the the sort of persistence of vision aspect of this beacon um, was cool. Was whiz- well, that was a multi flash. Yeah. Is that in, what it's in, called? In the, multi. And then the idea was the multi flash, a single flash of a strobe. Your eye will catch it, but then when it goes dark again, you don't have anything to follow. Yeah. And so you you're looking around for the next flash. But uh, and I had these on Air Comanche. The multi flash, they flash four times in a row. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Like that. And it left a trace. Yes. Because of how your eyeballs work. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's like, that sounds exactly what I'm remembering. Um, and someone referred to it as a, a meteor beacon or a comet beacon or something like that. But uh, all right. Okay. So that's a, and that's, so there we go. That's yet another element of conspicuity. <laughs> Jack learned a new word. <laughs> I learned a new word. I learned a new word. Uh, all right. That's enough. That's more than enough. Uh, where are we here? David, uh, did we make a mistake? Did we say uh, get, get the date wrong of this uh, Lakeland Town Hall meeting event activity in December? You put this on the list, and you said correcting the date. Did we make the mistake, or did they make the mistake? They made the mistake. I see. So um, dated it. And so give me the the one and a half paragraph description of what this event is and the correct date, please. Sun and Fun Holiday Flying Festival and Car Show. Yep. Friday, December 4th and Saturday, December 5th of this year. Excellent. And you can drive in, you can fly in, you can camp. Uh, They are promoting social distancing. Uh, They will be... Adhering to local regulations for masks, which I think right now would mean, yes, wear one. Uh, In Florida, that would be... That would be an affirmative. uh, It would be... I'd like to see it as, is all I could say. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, Yeah. Okay. There we go. Good, 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 good. Um, I I heard recently, I don't want to dox them, so I'm going to not name them, but uh, uh, some friends of ours who live the nomadic RV life... 
are planning on returning to uh, to uh, the the uh, what I think of as being the Sun and Fun campground um, 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 for the winter. Apparently, um, so uh, it's apparently becoming the place to be if you don't have a place to be. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, um, it's kind of like returning to Love Canal in some ways. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> David, 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 please, David, get us back on track here. What have you been up to, David? What's going on with you in the in in your world? Oh, pretty much the uh, the SOP stuff. Uh, a number of writing projects that are uh, on on my desk right now, and and if I can get them all done this week, uh, then I have plans to do some non writing work the week after, and uh, try to get some stuff straightened around here. Clean up the office, maybe throw out a couple of tons of paper. Oh, Trash day is coming up, and I'm definitely going to put one dumpster out there. The recycled dumpster is going to be half full. And this is all aviation stuff that I've gotten in the last year. Mm-hmm. That I no longer need to keep around because it's all online now. So uh, Right. But uh, steaming along, doing the normal, uh, seeing, it, seeing the occasional doctor getting a good bill of health, uh, Glad to hear about that, but you don't need to go into too much depth there. That's oh private. yeah, we we did a treadmill test a couple of weeks ago. I uh, guess it's not private. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, good, and, good. Yeah, yeah and uh, everybody was uh, very happy about that, uh, except me about one item that I'm not going to get into right now. Uh, but when they took my blood pressure before they started this thing, it was like 100 over 60, and they looked at me and it was. Uh, are you are conscious? You, are you alive? Yeah, I know. Right. It says, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fine here. Fine here. Uh, did the big step walk faster, faster, steeper, steeper. Uh, big heartbeat increase. The uh, EKG came out good. So we're going to live to the next appointment at least. Good deal. Glad to hear it. Um, Let's see now. So uh, what's this item on the list? It says experienced crew struggled with. This is just. This is your I've, This is your cliche. Today's cliche. Uh, okay. Yes, Jeff. Well, tell us what it is and why you think it's a cl- our cliche well, of the day. There's always, we've always talked, or there's been a lot of talk, let me put it that way, in recent years uh, about automation and how the automation is eroding pilot skills when they have to hand fly. Uh, I can't read all of this because I've used up all my free accounts, apparently, free free, um, um, free views. But uh, um, according to the lead paragraph, Spanish investigators have detailed an unusual incident in which a Boeing 737-500 crew struggled to control the aircraft after the autopilots failed even though all the instruments needed to operate the flight remained fully functional. And what, does it say were they in IMC or were they in It BMC? doesn't say. Uh, um, okay. Which all right, go ahead. would be an important deed. I can't read I can't read it because again my uh, free um, articles has expired on this site. Uh, let me try to open it in a different uh, in a different Page. That's all right. This is this Flight Global article here. Uh, Spanish investigators, unusual incident, crew struggled uh, after it failed. Uh, all yeah, that, just yeah, like I you can, said, yeah, that's I right. See, I can see the whole thing now. Um, okay. All right. So, it, 
let's see, did not prevent proceeding with the flight in instrument conditions, according to the Spanish authority. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still it's still not clear. You know, I'd love to see a uh, yeah. Um, I know. But so it just gives you a warm fuzzy once again about some um, flight crews not really having not having their well, fundamental skills up I to think, snuff. I think, there's, an, I think there's two lessons. Well, that's one of the lessons. The other lesson is even uh, an airliner crew, a 737 crew, which presumably spends a lot of time in a simulator exploring various failure modes, um, can get caught flat-footed. So uh, mm-hmm. the rest of us, what does that for? What does that re- mean for the rest of us? Is the punchline? Okay, okay. So it's uh, now. Uh, uh, let's see now. Uh, th- this flight ended fine, safely. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's no, there's no adverse outcome, shall we say? It's just notable that they struggled to some extent, and uh, yeah, they were meandering. They, they were meandering. Well, <laughs> yeah, variations in altitude between four thousand and five thousand feet. You know, yada yada yada. Well, and there's something else that jumps out here, being able to read the whole thing, is that the uh, flight crew, because of the loss of both their autopilots, which I'm, I'm, I'm guessing is probably related to the FMS, but the flight management system, but they not only had trouble controlling the airplane, they had trouble following instructions from the controllers. Uh, there were in several instances where they the crew spontaneously did something that they hadn't been instructed to do and failed to do something that they'd been instructed to do so i'm i'm picturing a flight deck where they were really bamboozled about what was going on that they're probably spending half of their time trying to troubleshoot the autopilot problem and only as necessary looking up at the flight instruments to see whether they're on glide slope on the localizer uh whether they're making a standard rate turn back in or whether it's a non-standard rate turn uh and this is a captain with over 4300 hours in type who's also an instructor pilot here's the here's the money graph i finally found it poor weather conditions quote complicated unquote the situation according to the report uh, with turbulence and cloud cover at between 2,000 and 4,000 feet above the airport. That's basically what it's They had their hands full. Well, I, I don't know. You guys are the instrument pilots. You tell Is this reasonable or not reasonable? I mean, not reasonable. It's not reasonable for an airline crew. It shouldn't be reasonable for any other pilot. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, I'll just add this. I, I, I just tell people, so, you know, the airplane knows how to fly. The airplane flies just fine. All you got to do is point it in the direction you want to go. Uh, yeah, and that's true in instrument or visual conditions. Okay, I, and I and I, I, I and I get. And I'll take I'll take two thousand four thousand overcast any day of the week. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Give me a give, give me a break. Okay. All right. Um, well, this I mean, is it's, it's, it's almost it's almost cheating to call that an approach in those conditions an instrument approach because. Yeah, but I think I think Dave, your your analysis is spot on. Though I think they lost the FMS or some other um, some other guidance, and um, as a consequence, they could not use the autopilot, and just simply were dealing with too much, and, and no one was really flying the airplane. And the the trace on this uh, graphic that's accompanied this uh, 
Oh my word! <laughs> yeah, they were zigged and zagged, didn't they? Yeah, that looks like a, a, a someone practicing for commercial maneuver. I know. I saw. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That that or an, an air show pilot gone astray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you know, just a normal day during air venture. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or or any one of my flights, quite frankly. Um, but uh, okay, all right then. Well, there we go. Uh, be careful out there. Um, and this was not a max. Yeah, right. Yeah, this was not a max. This was, this was a next gen. Yeah, yeah. Because this was recent, right? This was like. Uh, um, well, the story's recent. We don't know exactly. Story's recent. The aircraft isn't. But you know. yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. What's next here? Mooney. Mooney. So, uh, so there's news about Mooney. It's good news, apparently. Um, and uh, um, I don't know. David, I think you put this on the list. Do you want to summarize the news for us? I, I'm just a little... I, I, I accept that it's good news. I'm a little bit puzzled by the way they're wording this, and I'm kind of curious what the whole story is. Um, David, tell us what happened with Mooney recently. Uh, well, ownership of Mooney, which had... Uh, if I remember right, it passed to uh, uh, Chinese interests at one point. Uh, it's now back in the States with a group of investors and Mooney owners combined their resources to uh, to uh, take over the company. And uh, they are promising that the building delivery and keeping their pilot customers happy is going to be their major focus and i was unaware that that had ever stopped being their major focus anywhere because every airplane company wants to do that but the they've got new ownership and hopefully financial stability so that they can uh come back and compete in the market uh it's this one of the fastest airplanes that you can buy, uh, piston single. Uh, I mean, a 242 knot cruiser, uh, the uh, uh, Acclaim Ultra, fly up to 25,000 feet. Uh, these are fast airplanes. Right. Uh, That's always been my sense of that was their, their sort of, I don't know, claim to oh, fame. I don't want to minimize it. They're apparently really great airplanes. And but, but, Well, that's that's been the niche the niche for this uh, product since Art and Al Mooney moved it to Kerrville from Wichita. Right. Uh, so uh, uh, they've got uh, new ownership. Uh, they have... Uh, done some beautiful redesign work on this airplane in the in the last uh, five or six years uh, they even worked on a, a two-door trainer for a while but i'm not sure that that is uh in their model mix now uh it's interesting i wouldn't think of mooney as being a trainer company but you never know um well the uh chinese owners were trying to find a way to expand their market penetration and uh, a complex, high-performance airplane like this is not exactly your uh, beginner's airplane. Right. Uh, although I've known people who bought, you know, uh, turbocharged Moonies as their first airplane to get their license. I've known guys that bought Bonanzas to get their license. Uh, and it was always... Uh, Envious that they had uh, more more money than I did. Yeah, right. Well, um, of course, our friend James Winbrandt flies a, a Mooney, which he is is beloved of him or by him, and uh, 
so I, I'm curious about something here. So I, I just sent, uh, I posted a link in the in the chat to, to, to get, uh, grab this link. There's a picture of a Mooney, and it appears to be a Mooney because it has the distinctive Mooney straight front edge tail. Um, but it otherwise doesn't look like what I consider to be a Mooney. If I hid the tail, I'd never would guess that as being a Mooney. What model is that? Are you guys looking at this picture? Yeah, I uh, can't tell you from here unless it says so in the story. It's an um, ovation. You can see it on the tail. Yes, it says so on the tail. You're absolutely right. And the tail is the normal Mooney tail with the vertical. Uh, so what's an ovation? Because uh, I thought ovation was that fancy Cessna. Wait, what was that fancy Cessna that they had for a while? Um, the hmm. Uh, I'm not sure what you're talking about. But am I, 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 do, do you disagree that if you were to not see the tail of that airplane, would you not necessarily identify it as a Mooney? It doesn't have a Mooney look other than... The, it, it has. It actually has a late model Comanche look. Uh, Comanche it, is exactly what I thought when I first glanced at it. Yes. Um, but that's just because of the paint scheme. Oh, see, for me, it was the cowling shaping is what said Comanche to me. Well, it's the, something else here, too. Uh, and the story is a, is a legend in the Mooney and, and Comanche communities about how uh, uh, the uh, people from Mooney were trying to get to D.C. and uh, weather blocked their way and they diverted to Lock Haven, Pennsylvania in their new designed M20 series Mooney. And while it was in Pennsylvania, it, it Mr. Piper put the gentleman on a train down to D.C. so he could have his meeting. In the meanwhile, Piper's engineers are crawling all over this thing, taking measurements and uh, uh, jotting down notes. And one of the reasons why the early Moonies and the early Comanches have a nearly identical wing is supposedly because of that... uh, little uh, surreptitious industrial espionage yeah that's the word uh, uh, uh that's a juicy little story that i don't know if i've ever heard before i uh well and, they, and the wings are very similar uh, airfoil wise and all that uh, and when i put upswept wing tips on the uh, uh comanche that we had uh there was occasionally uh, somebody would stop and look at that and go you know if it had a different tail it looked just like a mooney and i'd say yeah it, except i got 20 percent more space yeah, that's the other thing that I, in my mind, about a Mooney is that they're notable for their speed and for their cramped interior of the cabin. Although other people, well, I've, has, is it you, Jeb? Somebody disagrees with me whenever I say that. Um, that well, I, I'm going to probably disagree slightly. I'm going to disagree with both points. One is um, Moonies are more efficient. Yep. Uh, t- typically, mm-hmm. in part because of the wing, in part because of a smaller cabin, slightly smaller cabin. And um, uh, just you know, attention to some of the aerodynamics. The the two hundred one is the best example. Um, they took an existing uh, uh, Mooney model, or I should say, uh, I forget the gentleman's name. Um, Dave, you probably remember it better than I do. Uh, Lo, I think it was Ray, Roy Lopresti, actually, uh, who who took uh, uh, an in production Mooney mm-hmm. and just applied a bunch of aerodynamic cleanup. To it, that was certainly Lopresti's thing. Yep. Yeah, and uh, turned it into what's what we now know as the M twenty J or the the model two hundred one, and um, that was all about efficiency. Yeah, the, the power of the engine didn't change at all. 
for example. Mm-hmm. 200, 200 horsepower and 200 yeah. miles an hour. Exactly. That was the, that was the attraction. And um, it's, you know, a lot of home builds can do that or, or excel that, or I should say beat that. Uh, it's hard for an in-production airplane to be able to do that um, simply because um, – Mooney's been at this a while and and, and has uh, some advantages, um, again, having to do with, with cabin size. Now, let me talk about that for a moment. A lot, and I've been in Mooney's before. I've, I've, I don't think I've ever left seated one, but um, the uh, part of the illusion, it, some of it is an illusion. Uh, part of the illusion is based on the way the windows are, are designed. Uh, they're higher and uh, they're relatively narrower. And as a consequence, there might be some curvature, uh, inward curvature at the shoulders and things like that too. Um, but when you're sitting in one, there's simply the the illusion of, of being in a smaller space because the windows aren't that big. Really? Okay. Um, if you looked at a Bonanza cabin and a Mooney cabin, I don't think you'll find that the Mooney is that much wider. And the uh, pic- but the Bonanza has larger windows. Yeah, well, and it's got that taper at the top. That uh, yeah. it's taller. Uh, but if you look at this uh, photograph here at the uh, website, the link takes you to showing November one nine seven Charlie Victor. Uh, that's an ovation. If you look closely, you'll notice a, a little thing in the white part of the paint on the pilot side that's a door latch that mooney has two doors yeah. one on the pilot side one on yeah, the other that's, side that's a big deal and that's a big deal but moonies are probably the most unusually constructed airplane in in flying today the the passenger cabin the is all uh 4130 chrome molly tubing has a tubing cabin and then it's aluminum monocoque from the back seat or from the luggage compartment aft to the tail Mm -hmm. Uh, the wing is one piece one continuous piece there's no break in the spar okay so there's never been a case of one of these wings failing in flight all right well there you go i was going to ask you what's the virtue of that construction and it well, the virtue of that construction, the the one piece uh, wing, is its strength. Okay. And the and and the simplicity in building it that way, and not having to build it to come apart. Uh, I mean, to be taken off. Right. Uh, the logic behind the tubing in the uh, cabin area is safety. It, it makes it a stronger cabin. Crash, yeah. crash resistance, crash, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Crash, wor- crash worthiness. Worthiness, thank you. Yes. Uh, While y'all were yapping your gums, yeah. uh, I did some Google, and um, the Mooney, this is a, an article in um, by Aviation Consumer, so it's it's got some heft to it. Trim to trim at shoulder level, the Mooney is 41 and a half inches wide. Okay. The Bonanza is 42 and a half inches wide. Yeah. A difference of one inch. Yeah, okay. All right. Okay. Well, there you go. Well, good for Mooney, by the way. So, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, getting back has, on their has feet. Has there been – Mooney, you know, for all of its its, um, um, it's good selling points, yes. the types, uh, type success and, and uh, popularity, uh, over the years they've had a lot of ownership changes. David, in your recollection, this is not – is this the first time they've had a, 
uh, uh, an owner-oriented ownership structure? I, I seem to think it's the second time. I, I want to say that too, but I, I remember a couple of the ownership changes where the, uh, the, the new management team, they didn't own it all by themselves, but they came yeah. from the owner's community. Yeah. And, uh, um, then that was, I'm not sure that Mooney, I'm not sure the current ownership structure is a hundred percent either, but that's all yeah. the topic. So, uh, um, the new ownership group though, uh, these guys are true believers, uh, U.S. Financial LLC is part of the uh, financial backbone to this new ownership group. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, their main job right now is providing support for the 7,000-odd Moonies that are out there flying uh, and then getting production back up and at a level that makes the airplane uh, sell, sells profitably. Uh, and that's not an easy thing to do in this day and age. But starting with a clean sheet financially could help them out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a, there's a lot to be said for it. I mean, they've modernized the avionics. Uh, they improved the uh, uh, cabin. Uh, they redesigned the panels in the cabin to give it about a half inch more room uh, at the hip level. Uh all little things, little things here, and like Roy Lepresti did, uh, so much of it is the c- accumulation of fine detail improvements that have added yeah. up to give it the speed and efficiency it's got. Clarification: Looking at the uh, the article on this topic on uh, Avweb's uh, site, um, the ownership really hasn't changed; it's the management that has changed. Well, that's what puzzled me at first was that the yeah. early stories on this kept talking about the headlines would talk about ownership change, but then the stories would only talk about management change, um, and I was puzzled as to what was going on. But yeah. I, 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 we've kind of taken it apart here, and, and I think so. Yeah. So, anyways, so. Jeb, what's going on with you? What are you up to these days? Oh, just trying to chill out. Um, it's been wet here. Uh, I was just. Before we got on, I was telling you guys, first time I've seen blue sky in, in, in at least a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just been rain, rain, rain. Um, and uh, for the first time, again, I'm seeing some white puffies, but um, some blue sky above, and that's a very welcome change. Nice nice little breeze. Hopefully, things can dry out uh, and, and not be as, as soaked. Uh, a lot of that was due to Sally. Right. You guys had a close morning, encounter with that. That Yeah, she, she went south of us and, and threw a lot of rain our way, and she took her own sweet time about it. And now she's taking her own sweet time about coming ashore uh, in, in Louisiana and the Florida Panhandle area. And uh, just uh, there's a lot of rain associated with the system. And from what I'm seeing, it's, it's – uh, uh, just washing away stuff in that in that general area mm-hmm. of the country. Yeah, um, it's it's. We have to kind of wait and see how it goes. But I hope our I hope our all our listeners up in that area are taking care of themselves yeah. and, and come out of this okay. Yeah. So other Jeb. than that, yeah. And oh, I'm sorry, you were raving about oh, something. You were very happy yeah, about I was, something. I was, well, there was something. I, I I occasionally will look up. In, you're old in numbers, yes. shall we say? Yes. Uh, and uh, you and I were having it off. Off. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, and we're likely to come back to that subject. In a moment. We're likely to come back to that subject in a moment. Um, one of the, well, the aircraft I got my instrument rating in, yeah. and flew a lot, and was very familiar with, very fond of, had a uh, 
what's called what I call a vanity uh, registration number. Okay. Uh, um, and when the plane traded, well, it, it was it was a very short um, in number that uh, could be used by any number of companies. Okay. Uh, and as I understand it, when the plane changed hands later on, um, part of the deal was um, that one of these companies paid real money to secure that particular end number. Okay. And I was, as a consequence, never able to track it, figure out where it was or, or even if it was still flying yeah. um, because I didn't have the serial number of the airplane. You can look up serial numbers on the FA website just as well as you can uh, in numbers. Right. Okay. So just on a whim the other night, I ripped off an email to the FAA's aircraft registration branch in Oklahoma City uh, just on the off chance that they could maybe point me in the right direction or give me a give me a vector, you know, something like that. The next morning, I get an email with the airplane serial number, and I was like, you know, hallelujah, and I've tracked the airplane down, it's doing fine, uh, yada, yada, yada. Um, and I just thought that that was uh, a service that the FAA didn't really uh, um, – offer um and apparently they do well yeah that is good of them and but do, do you have a sense did you identify yourself as being aviation safety magazine no i was, I was just you know uh, just uh, just yeah yeah just it was the, it was a web form on the fa website yeah. and i just filled it in and and put my email in and that was the end of it well, and the next morning I get the get the response. That is admirable. I agree. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so I'm. I that, that's just a shout out to uh, uh, the FAA's registry staff uh, on uh, how they uh, respond to the inquiries like that. Which I, I would, I, I, for me, it's a little bit off the wall. But for others, it might not be. And for for the registry staff, only God knows what's what's off the wall for them. So. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Credit yeah. where credit yeah. is due. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Nice. But. Yeah, we were we were getting into a conversation last night on Twitter about uh, old air, aircraft we used to fly. Yeah. Let's put it that yeah. way, and perhaps milestone aircraft. Um, and uh, yeah, you'll you'll likely hear yeah. or or read something more about that topic from me in the, in the Oh, really? Week. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, off-field landing of the week. I don't. I mean, this is literally an off-field landing of the week. This it is, is. A, uh, uh, in North Carolina. A uh, apparently a champ land. Is it a champ? It's a. No, it's a one seventy. Uh, depends on which what you're talking about. I'm talking about. Um, I'm talking about the next one on the list. A small aircraft was forced to land on a busy North Carolina interstate, and 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 this is the bit. I think this is why we're why. I mean, first of all, it's an off-field landing of the week, and we congratulate this pilot for doing a good job. Um, apparently, they landed on Interstate 40, North Carolina. Did I just say that? Um, but the headline from BusinessInsider.com website. Yeah. Um, um, observes that um, that that the success of this off-field landing um, is is one reason why pilots. As I'm quoting now, why pilots train to land on highways when they're in trouble, and uh, and I and I think Jeff. I never I never trained to land on a highway. I, you know, me neither. I need some currency, man. I'm just like, I, I, let's go. Let's let's block off I-75. I know, yeah. Shazam, let's do this thing. I suspect that this is uh, this is mainstream media misunderstanding well, what yeah, they were told. Um, you know yeah. that tr- pilots are trained to do off-field landings, not necessarily trained to do off-field landings on highways. Um, but uh, it's one of the subheads says. 
Yeah, okay. See, one of the subheads says pilots train for potential emergency landings, comma, and highways are often preferable when an airport isn't near. Well, the other subhead here, though, is why landing on a highway is the last resort. I'm not sure that's the case. Um, well, I guess it is and it isn't. I, I, you know, I for know. years, I was, I was, I was suspicious of the safety of landing on highways, but we've seen a lot of them lately that have been successful, and so I'm. I'm yeah, it's you know. because not many people are driving these days. Well, yeah, I mean, there's certainly there's that's true, but highway. but flip side is there's often someone there to take video of it, so uh, there's that. Yeah. Um, this is a, an Aronka Chief is the airplane in question here that landed on this North Carolina highway. I'm looking for the pilot's name to give some credit here, but I'm not finding it. Um, I don't know. Anyways, I don't. I don't think I would give my name if I, if I was um, yeah the guy who just landed on a highway either. But, well, you know. okay. But uh, and, uh, I, that, we're going to come back to that subject again in a couple of minutes as well. So, uh, okay. So, uh, okay. Um, I mean, let's just move on here. We are reaching the end of our lot of time here. We're not nearly done yet. Somebody we, asked me how I'm doing. We had Jack, a- how the hell are you doing? You've been asking us, bugging us about it. How the hell are you? I'm doing well, actually. I uh, Let's see now. I need to find my little notes here. Uh, so this is what Deb and I were alluding to. Just a minute. Good thing you were prepared for me to ask that. Uh, yeah, well, I, I was prepared. I just didn't have the right window in, uh, at the front of my screen here. Um, the, the thing that Jeb and I were alluding to about looking up old airplanes um, is, is related to the thing that I want to crow about here that I already crowed on Twitter, um, but is that yesterday, literally yesterday, the day before we recorded, September 15, 20, uh, 2020, um, was the 30th anniversary of my private pilot checkride. Woohoo! Wow. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, um, you know, <laughs> and, and as I put on Twitter, I said, a long, strange trip. Um, now, as, you know, people have asked me, you know, and, and I, although I'll take some credit for 30 years, it's a not, an, a, not a big secret that I've, uh, large chunks of that 30 years, I was uh, not, not airworthy. So, uh, um, you know, there is that. But nevertheless, it was 30 years ago. It was a long time ago. Um, it's just yeah. think about things that have changed. I, I've Lately, I've had occasion to think a lot about my original instructor. I'm really curious what became of him. Um, he uh, so he left me um, uh, towards the end of my uh, private training, just prior to uh, to uh, um, prior to the check ride. I'm trying to remember exactly where we were. I think we had started the cross countries, um, and he left because he got offered a job flying for the airlines. And of course, many then and still now instructors are doing that. Um, and so he went off um, to fly for the airlines. A bunch of years later, as much as 10 years later, um, I was, uh, his name, I won't say his last name, but his first name is Jeff, Jeff A. Um, uh, a few years later, I had occasion to be attending the EAA Warbirds um, meeting, the squadron meeting, or whatever they call themselves, um, in Oakland, California. And uh, um, and the one of the principals in that Warbird squadron was... Um, a man, an older man with the same last name, all right? And and I went up to him and I said, I said, you aren't by any chance related to Jeff, are you? All right? And he says, he's, Jeff's my son. And I said, oh, really? And so I ran into my first instructor's dad um, cool. 10 years later. Um, and at that time, I got a report that Jeff was doing well and flying for the airline and, uh, um, you know, things were well. But uh, I, I, I've always had this theory that the person who, your, your first instructor, all right, um, you, you have a, a pilot as a special 
special bond with their first instructor because their their first instructor, assuming it was a good experience, and it usually is, was the person who gave you this gift, right? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Who 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 taught you to do this almost magical thing, all right? You know, and for that reason, I, I regret that I lost track of my first instructor, um, but. Uh, but anyways, yeah, Jeff. Yeah, I, I, I've, I've kind of lost track of my, my first, yeah. my, my primary or pre-solo instructor. Uh, I, I had two or three, um, given the, the, uh, yeah, I, I did too. B- bus- yeah. Business vagaries at the time. Uh, and in fact, all three of them I lost at one point in my primary training. Mm-hmm. Uh, but lost, you mean lost track of? L- they, the jobs left and they right, left. Right, right, right. Yeah. Okay. So they weren't available. And there was a, a downtime in my training that uh, um, I was able to uh, to fly solo and, and with other pilots. Uh, but I wasn't really able to advance my training uh, materially um, until um, the, the business um, drama got sorted out. And uh, they hired a brand new flight instructor. I was her first private pilot recommendation. Oh really? Well, that's kind of cool, and, I guess. That yeah, it's very could cool. go either way, I suppose. It but could go either way. It seems to have worked out. Yeah, I know. Uh, right, at yeah. least for me, uh-huh. um, uh, she went on to fly for the airlines and and was a captain uh, for a quote unquote a major air carrier. Uh, I've lost track of her since then. Um, I don't know if she's uh, she would not still be flying because she was older than me. But um, I don't know where she is or what she's doing. But right. I, I will I will look her up yeah. after this yeah. episode. One sobering aspect of this thirty year aspect is that thinking about my first CFI who left me to go fly for the airlines. It could well be nearing very close to his forced mm-hmm. retirement age now, um, mm-hmm. um, which just like you know time flies, long strange trip, and all those kinds of good things. So, anyways, that's what the big things are. The reason we were talking about end numbers is that um, so I posted a picture of the airplane that I did my check ride in, me standing in front of it thirty years ago, which fortunately is a very fuzzy kind of not well focused picture because it looked a lot different back then. Um, but uh, showed me that and. And I went online to look up that airplane, just kind of curious to see if it was still, you know, findable. And according to FlightAware, um, it's currently based and flying um, in Florida. They're from, uh, um, um, what did I say? It's near Melbourne. Um, what, what did I, no, where did it go here? Um, I want to say Jupiter. Is that a... Hang on. Yeah, Ju- Jupiter's the thing. Yeah. So, anyways, um, my airplane, my my uh, my one of my, I loved that airplane. I flew that. Air- I, I flew in a lot of different airplanes back in those days because I was I was a member of a flying club, and they must have had six or eight different one fifties and one fifty twos, and you'd fly whichever one was available that you liked best. And uh, and four nine or one nine or seven is the airplane that I I flew a lot, and I have very fond memories of that airplane. Um, so and uh, um, our friend Dave Allen um, heard this and and said oh, I'm going to go down there and see if I can find a pic- get a picture of that airplane on the ramp and I said cool do that uh, find out if it's by any chance part of a rental operation that would be a cool thing to do on one of my yeah, go, Florida go trips is yeah. to uh, go down and, and 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 get an hour or two in one of my original airplanes that would be a that would be an interesting thing so. Uh, so I don't know. That's sort of what I've been up to, um, or at least what I've been thinking about. Things that have been on my mind, and uh, um, yeah, I got my private in a one fifty um, with that with that instructor I mentioned earlier. Um, that airplane uh, was around until about ten or twelve years ago. 
when it was when it got deregistered and exported to Brazil. Mm, yeah, I know. So we're, it's going to be a little bit of a hike for us to go visit. I that know, one. really, um, David. What's but, oh, go ahead? But I did, I did find yeah. uh, the one I first soloed. Ah, okay. Well, that's good too. Is still out there and running strong in Colorado. In Colorado, okay. David, what's become of your? Uh, I, I what was the? It wasn't. It wasn't the Comanche. The airplane that you sold. Cherokee. Um, right. It was a. Um, uh, uh, the Cherokee one hundred and forty. It was a uh, one hundred and forty. Do you have any idea what became of that airplane? Is it still flying? Well, it's funny you should ask. <laughs> <laughs> when you guys were nostalgizing back there a few minutes ago uh, about you know looking up in numbers, I looked up eight oh three November eight oh three eight November. And I don't think it's with us anymore. Oh. I found an a, uh, aircraft crash report from <sighs> October 17th, 2010. And uh, I think it was trying to get, land in uh, Augusta, Kansas, where I kept it. Uh, the, the guy that bought it had moved it to, to another airport, but it overran the runway and uh on a second attempt and uh it performed to go around on the first attempt because the airplane's airspeed was too high on the second attempt the pilot was still going too fast ran off the end of the runway sheared the landing gear off warped the the uh, firewall uh damaged the wings uh i'd be real surprised if anybody repaired that well that's too bad it I mean, is. it's too bad in general for a crash, but that you to yeah yeah it's because I I it makes me feel it gives me a nice warm feeling that my one of my early airplanes is still out there. Um, yeah. So all right, well we're going to have to go to Jupiter, Florida, and Brazil. Um, it, it, this this was a a well used airplane when we bought it. Mm-hmm. It had almost seven thousand hours on the airframe, uh, but it had a fresh overhaul on the engine, and uh, it was its third third engine uh and uh flew great i mean uh it took me from my check ride on uh i think it was august 24 or i'm sorry august 26 passed my check ride on 26 and the following friday annie and i blasted off for uh indiana and then the next morning dc and then Kitty Hawk after that, mm-hmm. back to Indiana for my daughter's wedding. And I still remember the, the amusement on Annie's face when uh, we were having lunch. We surprised her parents and uh, and her brother. They didn't know we were coming in. And uh, we're at a restaurant in Leesburg. And father-in-law leans over and whispers in something in Annie's ear. And she laughs and smiles and says, oh, yeah, yeah, he... Well, the question was: Was it legal for me to be so far from Wichita when I <laughs> when I'd only had my license five days? Well, no, but it had nothing to do with your pilot I, license. I, it took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> All right, hey, listen, um, for those of you listening, uh, if you like what we're doing here with this podcast, uh, uh, please consider supporting us uh, with a financial donation. Uh, as little as a few dollars a month is really a big help in covering the expenses of doing this podcast. Uh, you can send individual donations to the UCAP tip jar, tip jar uh, via PayPal. Um, a big thanks to uh, one particular supporter uh, this past month or past couple weeks, uh, Todd B., 
made a, a very generous uh, tip jar donation, and we thank you for that. And it's interesting, T- Todd's going to resurface any minute now, because uh, uh, if you if you don't want to do uh, uh, PayPal and tip jar, you can become an automatic monthly supporter via the uh, excellent service Patreon. Uh, and uh, uh, we have, we've just got a bunch, a nice little little uh, outbreak, if you will, of uh, new Patreon supporters this past uh, couple weeks. It's a super spreader. It, it was a super spreader event, a good one. Um, uh, we got uh, from uh, David S. and uh, Keith M. and Sergey Z. and Keith B. and here we go, Todd B. As near as I can tell, the same Todd B. who gave us a, a cash donation by way of PayPal also became a monthly supporter on Patreon. And so uh, that's very cool. Thank you. And thank you to everyone. Thanks to all these new uh, Patreon members and to everyone who supports us uh, financially on the podcast. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, you guys are the best. For more information about providing automatic monthly support, check out patreon.com slash uncontrolled airspace, or you can make a PayPal donation to the email address podcast at uncontrolled airspace.com. And uh, if you didn't get all that, just go check out uh, the uncontrolled airspace homepage. Uh, and in the right column, there's a link to uh, all this information. That's at uncontrolled airspace.com. Thank you very much, folks. We really appreciate it. What's next here? Uh, let's see now. Um, I just want so I don't know I, I I just this is an interesting story that I had never heard before and it's kind of a, uh, a sad commentary that we didn't hear this story. So this is from a tweet that I f- came across online, um, a tweet that was posted by the Dublin Airport Twitter account, which I believe I'm almost not, I'm certain is Dublin in Ireland. Um, and uh, the tweet says uh, on August thirty first, nineteen ten. Lillian Bland became probably the first woman in the world to design, build, and fly an aircraft. Um, she called it her Mayfly. Um, and the, the tweet says, as in Mayfly, may not fly. Um, it had its first flight at uh, Randallstown uh, Antrim. County Antrim. County Antrim, thank you. Um, and uh, Amelia Earhart was just 13 years old at the time, according to this tweet. So, uh, um, um, more, you know, I mean, this is like great. I, I want to hear more about this story. And this is all I know right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, and there's some awesome pictures of, of this woman, um, uh, both a portrait of her and also uh, with uh, various airplanes. I love her hat. Yeah, the, I love the hat, but I'm stealing the aircraft name. Uh, the Mayfly, because it may fly and it may not fly. Yeah. yeah. I'm stealing that. Uh, well, it's like one, on of, right one of Steve Whitman's uh, designs. He, uh, Steve Whitman, the legendary uh, air racer from the 30s, uh, who gave his name to the, the airport that you use when we go to Air Venture. Uh, on those years when it happens, and he built a uh, a, a home built, designed and built an airplane powered by an early Harley Davidson engine, and he calls it uh, the, the what did he call it? It's rolls canardly. He <laughs> rolls up one hill, can gnarly make it up the next. <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah, uh, baby. 
Remembering uh, Lillian Bland, um, uh, a very, very early aviation pioneer, and uh, uh, we need more of these kinds of stories. I mean, those we have many of these kinds of stories. We just don't know them, and we ought to know yeah. them. Um, yeah. And so, uh, cool stuff, cool stuff. Uh, finally, let's see here. Um, so this is, uh, we were talking about landing on highways here, um, I-640 in some place. Uh, it's, it's also North Carolina. It is North Carolina, okay. But now the thing that you, Jeb, I think found remarkable about this wasn't that they landed on the interstate, is what? Yeah, this is Tennessee, I'm sorry, Knoxville. Knoxville, right. Um, yeah, that's right, Knoxville. Um, what was what you found notable, I think, about this, Jeb, was not that they landed on the highway, but, oh, look, there's a video. I didn't see this until just now. Why yeah. is this notable, Jeb? Um, well, according to the, uh, uh, let me find the right link here. Um, yeah. Uh, according to the article, this is WVLT TV channel eight in Knoxville. Um, I can't find that either, but basically, um, the pilot landed on the interstate, parked the airplane conceivably, uh, got uh, police escort and police presence and all this kind of thing. Called a buddy of his, say, hey, bring me some gas. Uh, the buddy drove some gas out to the airplane, put it in the airplane, and the cops closed off the highway and let him take off. Yeah. I, I just like, okay, you know, um, there's two or three things going on there, and I'm still trying to parse it all. Yeah, I know. Well, so I, I, here's a couple of observations. Um, first of all, the video that I'm like, little video snippet that shows the air, there appears to be, this is almost, it has to, I wonder if this is a traffic cam or is this a drone? Because Might be. Could be either because the uh, we we see the aircraft taking off, um, you know, heading away from us, but it actually passes underneath the camera just prior to look. Yeah, there's an overpass if you look at oh, another a, video. Wait, there's an overpass? Really? Okay, better yet, uh, this is tweeted by the Knoxville police, so that's kind of nice that they were that supportive of this whole thing. Um, shows the airplane uh, uh, on its takeoff roll and lifting off, and then being immediately followed by three motorcycles, which are apparently the police motorcycles who are keeping the the uh, the highway clear um the other observation i will make is that this is an existence proof of the effectiveness of a circular runway um oh oh, oh get out yes yeah, <laughs> yeah I, 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 I when i saw that the first time i thought i'm not gonna say anything there it is right there it works yeah it works it's a, this is not a straight stretch of interstate this is a clearly a nice steady bend in the highway <laughs> And uh, and you're telling me he took off underneath the bridge too. It gets better and look better. At, All right. Look it's- at the other video. Look at the video from uh, the, the Channel Eight. Uh, he's clearly starting his takeoff roll before he goes under the overpass. Uh, could I? Yeah. It's all right. Wait a minute. Here we go. What do we got here? Is it this one right here? Uh, uh, get past the talking head. Yeah. Okay. I had to make the guy stop talking here. Um, he was and, off that. Uh, oh yeah, look at he, but, oh, and and it, and it reinforces my whole circle. You can see even more. This is definitely a great big curve. And ah, oh, uh, here we go, man. Maybe we're gonna have to revisit this whole question because this uh, that's really neat. This is yeah, this video is much better than the one I was looking at. Um, and you're right, that's what it was. The uh, video first video I saw was from on the overpass. So 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 the, that and being able to start your takeoff roll underneath the overpass also solves all kinds of airport motion movement issues you know so uh um i hmm okay 
Sure. Well, I look forward to the FIA updating the aeronautical information manual <laughs> yeah. for points. Yeah. All right. So and, uh, I, I need to correct something. What's that, David? I tagged the wrong name on uh, Steve Whitman's Harley-Davidson-powered airplane. What's that? That was from an old joke, Rolls-Canardly. I understand you got a new car. Yeah, it's a Rolls-Canardly. Rolls-Canardly? Yeah, it rolls down one side of the hill, Canardly make it up the other. Right. No, his name was Barely Abelson. (laughs) (laughs) He dubbed dubbed it the Barely Abelson uh, Harley-powered engine. And I think that there was wisdom behind that name. I'm I'm going to be the first to say it. We need to get the fork out. Yeah, I know. I think we're done. I think we're done. Uh, thank you, guys. It's always a blast to uh, to get together and talk with you. This one was uh, special in so many ways. Uh, Dave Higdon is an aviation photographer, an aviation journalist, and the U.S. editor for London's Ab Buyer magazine. You can find Dave's work online at abbuyer.com and aea.net. On Twitter, he's real Higdon. And Jeb Burnside is a uh, freelance aviation writer and editor, serving as the editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety Magazine. He's also a regular contributor to other aviation publications online. You can find Jeb's work at aviationsafetymagazine.com, and his magazine is on Twitter at avsafetymag. You can also find his other work at aea.net, avweb.com, and on Twitter, he is Burnside J. And I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a digital media producer. You can find me online in most of the usual places with the all-one-word username Jack Hodgson. For example, twitter.com slash Jack Hodgson, YouTube slash Jack Hodgson, Patreon Jack Hodgson. You can find my eBooks on Amazon Amazon by doing so well there, uh, by searching for Around the Field in the book section, and you can sign up for my email newsletter at jackhodgson.com. It's very conspicuous of you. Yeah, that's right. David, was there something you were going to tell us? Well, there's nobody more uh, worthy of being behind my line. Time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan because Steve Whitman was still flying into his 90s. So think about that the next time you decide to drive instead of fly. Adios. And that's enough talking. Let's go flying. In thrust we trust. Neville, you have control of the board. Select a category. Disclaimers for 100. The members of the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast are appearing as this. Neville. What is private individuals? Correct. Select again. Disclaimers for 200. Their comments do not necessarily reflect these. Neville. What is the opinions of the organizations they work for? Yes. Select again. Disclaimers for 300. Anything you hear on this podcast that sounds like advice on aircraft operation is obviously this. Neville. What is very general? That's it. Disclaimers for 400. You should always remember your training, consider your situation, and fly this. Neville. What is the aircraft? Yes. Select. Disclaimers for 500. But you knew this. Robert. What's a lineys? No, Wendy. What is the punchline? No, Neville. What is that? Correct, but you knew that. Congratulations, Neville. You have swept the category. Uh, <laughs> all right. Okay. Um, I want to hear more so, about this weather. Did it really rain? I mean, so that hurricane, according to the radar radar tracks, that, that hurricane kind of, uh, we're still recording, by the way. So uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we're, oh, well, that hurricane, it rained a lot for a little while anyways, right? 
it rained a lot here. Uh, now, a lot is a relative term. I've seen it rain more, and I've seen, you know, uh, um, you know, some minor flooding in the neighborhood, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, that wasn't the case this time. Did your pond fill up? Did you? It did. Um, you know, I've got a contractor working out there on the island, mm-hmm. and uh, um, it um, got over the top of the island, so he lo- he flooded some equipment. Uh, I think he had to buy a new pump, uh, water pump. Um, really? Wait a minute. Now, yeah. w- what happened that, that <clears throat> caused this damage? Um, oh, because the because the pond got so high, the gear yeah, was suddenly fl- underwater. Exactly. Ah, okay. Exactly. I see. And which is you know not uncommon this time of year, especially. Yeah. No, I know that. But, the, but he left. He left his. He left a water pump. A water jet pump. Uh, he's he's using the pump to to make a water jet uh, to do some construction. Uh-huh. But um, and the yeah. pump apparently got flooded. He had to go buy another one. Wow. So I know, yeah, because I know your your pond lake will. Uh, that's I think that's what I'm going to call it from now on. Pond, your, pond lake. Your pond lake. That's, that's, um, it's, it's so cute of you. Yeah, Jack. I know. Uh, uh, it, it will change. Has changed many. You know, yeah, it, just about every time it, I'm down it, there, it's in, got a new height to it. And uh, yes, it, there's a. It, it has it highs. Oh, excuse me. It has highs and lows. Yeah, that's right. Now, have they ripped up your lawn much more since the last time we talked? No, but um, the lawn's too soggy to do anything but walk over. Basically, yeah. Right I, well, yeah, I would definitely not want that um, any kind of vehicle yeah, let alone those I, big trucks I'm, i haven't looked out this morning uh yesterday evening i had standing water in a couple of spots uh which is not uncommon either um and some low spots were were uh pretty soggy mm-hmm. but uh where do you get standing I, water down there behind the hangar where you're um on the north end of the property where uh there's a some i don't know some divots if you will um, um some natural drainage etc and uh, those will occasionally fill up, or, or it'll certainly get some standing water in them. And uh, I don't know, they were like that um, a couple of days ago. I haven't really inspected them um, yesterday or today. Yeah, David, has any of this hurricane weather made it as far north as Wichita? Uh, no, no, yeah. it's getting nowhere near us. Uh, smoke. On the yeah. other hand, really? Okay, of course that makes sense. You're seeing, you're noticing the smoke. Well, it's pretty much dissipated uh, here in the last four or five days. But uh, a couple of weeks ago, when the uh, fires were at their peak out in California, mm-hmm. uh, it was coloring our suns- sunsets. It was, uh, yeah. Uh, well, it closed down part of Interstate 70 coming through Colorado. The smoke was so bad over there. Oh, yeah. Uh, an acquaintance of mine was driving out there to uh, look at a condo that he was going to rent for the winter and uh, couldn't couldn't get there. Uh, right. The smoke had closed down the highway. Yeah. They, uh, according, to the, according to the news I've been reading, uh, technically the smoke has reached us here in New England. Um, I don't know that we can see it with the naked eye. It, it has been very hazy the last few days. Uh, uh, that's, that's part of it. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, yeah. Um, and it doesn't have a uh, you know that that orange. I mean, we've all seen these 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 dramatic pictures of the orange colored skies, and I don't know if you've noticed that, but um, uh, it's definitely been much more hazy here. We, you know, I obviously have a lot of friends back in the in California. Um, as a matter of fact, I've, I've been talking off and on with uh, with our buddy Will Hawkins um, there in the Bay Area, and he was sending me some scary. I mean, like you know, just the the gates of hell kind of pictures of uh, of what the sky looks like out there um 
and uh, yeah, I have friend. We have friends there. I have some friends in the Sierra. Um, I, I, I yeah, one particular friend who lives up in the Sierra. At one point, one of the earlier fires was within like a mile of his house, or the the evacuation zone reached within a mile of his home. I mean, like like the next, if they expanded the zone one more time in that direction, they they were going to get required to evacuate. Um, fortunately, they didn't have to. They've been doing so good good so far. But I've got friends there, friends in the Central Valley. They're all telling me just amazing stories about this and the pictures we've seen confirm it obviously um what what a what an insane crazy thing my gosh yeah really 2020 um, man 2020 2020 Holy oh the moly. t-shirt t-shirts were right yeah all right i don't know if that stayed in the you you said a dirt you said a naughty word david and i have to do something about that but uh otherwise we'll see we'll we'll find out later on how much of that stayed in the uh in the uh in the episode i uh, say you know bleep it but uh, uh, I, I i don't give a bleep uh, <laughs> now you all right well thank you so much for that. We, there's got to be some stall warning horn audio yeah out there no, that's right, something like that <laughs> something like that yeah